G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about the health of a local church and what to do if your pastor is underpaid. It might be a consequence that when the pastor in your church is underpaid, this ultimately hurts not just the minister and their family, but the congregation as well. So what do you think is fair compensation for the work of a pastor? How much is too little and how much is too much? Well, some think it is part of the calling of a pastor to live in poverty or even to, with that expression, live by faith, and therefore demonstrating what that looks like. Well, Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose, is back with us today. Alex uses his entrepreneurial skills in finance and marketing to help kingdom businesses and Christian ministries to thrive. And a great conversation ahead and a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Alex Cook. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Alex, as we get into this conversation today, uh, let me just reflect for a moment on the fact that you've just of recent times uh, conducted a number of Kingdom Business Summits and uh, you've been talking to uh, leaders and pastors about uh, financial issues and that sort of thing. Is the way that they are remunerated something that is right to the fore of uh, the concerns that pastors hold, do you think? Definitely. I mean, actually, one of the ways we judge it is just by the, the amount of downloads that we get on our website of a uh, of a brochure that we have called the Pastor Salary Guide, and it's it's one of the things that attracts the most interest. So that's that's why we know it's an issue. But look, I think because of our ministry helps churches in general with their overall church financial health, we find that church finances in general is a big issue these days. Many churches don't have the the resources that they want to do the ministry they want. And in some cases, what actually happens is it's only the, the pastor's salary and wages that get paid, and there's not a lot of money that goes towards ministry activities just because the money's not there. So the wages obviously are a big issue in themselves, but so are you know, the church overall church health, the overall church finances to fund the vision of the church. So um, yeah, we, we find it's a, an issue where there's increasing interest Interestingly, when you talk about the ministry activities of the local church, because some will say the most major ministry activity that the church, uh, you know, by and large has is what happens through the pastor and his family, because there is a certain significant leadership that happens, oftentimes uh, community-wise, and uh, it comes through a person, not just, uh, you know, the handing out of uh, welfare dollars or whatever it might be that some people think that is the ministry of the church. What are your thoughts on that sort of thing? Yeah, no, look, it's a really interesting topic. I mean, the uh, often, I mean, wages make up a huge portion of the um, of the church's budget. But I think, sort of, just running with some of the concepts of what you were saying there, I think many people, the way they look at the pastors, is they're in ministry, and I'm not. So I think we've got a bit of this sort of still. Um, 
unusual psychology in Australia and in just Western culture that we've got this sort of professional clergy and then there's the rest of us who aren't necessarily in ministry. We go off to secular employment. So we're paying wages for these guys to go and do the work of ministry, which I think is a really mistaken way of thinking. The way I view it is that once you become a Christian, you know, we're all in ministry. <laughs> we're all there. So what I say to pastors is, with your congregation, one of the langu- some of the language you've got to use is around this issue of partnership, because y- yes, the church pays your wage to do ministry work, but uh, the reality is that all your members sitting there are all in ministry together, and we are in partnership together, and uh, really the pastor's just getting paid his wage for, for being able to have his, uh, to be able to do it on a more full-time basis than many of us in secular employment are able to do. Um, but one of the, the issues in terms of ministry activities is the fact that often pastors' wages make up a huge percentage of the church budget. So, uh, And this is greatly varies by church size. So, for example, the smaller the church, the higher the percentage. You know, wages could be close to 80% of the church budget. In a big church, it can come down to sort of 45-50%, which is what we say to churches is what you want to aim for over time. So that way you've got more money for mission, you've got more money for ministry activities and other things. Um, so look, it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated issue, and it varies massively church to church. And as I say, church size and other factors affect it, um, affect it greatly. Well, I want to bring listeners into the conversation today because they'll have their own perceptions about pastors and pay. It does seem to be that, you know, when you've got someone who is a low-paid worker, uh, part of a local church, and somehow or other the pastor might be being paid more than they are, that somehow that sounds a little bit extravagant. But then you've got some people who are in church life who are highly paid workers and uh, they tend to have this idea of, uh, yes, the pastor needs to be well remunerated. Uh, what are your thoughts on the attitudes that ordinary people who are in church life have? Because everyone's coming from a different sort of a financial base. Yeah, um, uh, well, the, the attitudes, I guess, is what's fascinating. You see some um, very unfortunate attitudes in terms of how pastors should be paid and the way they, they get treated around this. Um, I, t- I tend to take the view that pastors on the whole, um, that I certainly the ones I see, are not paid enough. Um, yes, there are a handful out there, but it's it's always the exception, not the rule, that are, that are probably overpaid, but the vast majority are not. Most uh, pastors, you know, you, you don't go into ministry for money, and you talk to anyone, whether they're in church or parachurch ministry, you certainly don't go into it for money. Um, the money's rarely there. But I do find the attitudes... Uh, towards pastors can be very unfortunate. I mean, what people often fail to realise is, you know, pastors are often working overtime, many working crazy, crazy hours, six, seven days a week. Uh, the burnout rate of pastors is off the charts. You know, uh, the dropout rate would be, I'm guessing it's close to 50% these days. Many are suffering from depression. I think the expectations on pastors, uh, in what I've witnessed over the last five years, um, the expectations of them are, is very unfair. You know, we put pressure on them to be, you know, more godly, more perfect than the rest of us. That, that you know, we forget that they're human just like everybody else. Um, and so that all of those things put a huge uh, unfair pressure on pastors. So 
my, my personal view, particularly when it comes to the money, is that's one burden we should be taking off them. They should be properly paid, they should be well paid so they can support their families, so they can save for the future and so forth. So that way, that you're taking an issue off the table so you can help them to focus on the spiritual health of the church and their, and their members and discipling people rather than having this extra burden on them where they're having to worry about money. Um, of course, some people say, oh, pastor shouldn't worry about money. He should be, um, uh, he should be worried you know, about God's, you know, God's provision. But there's, also the, uh, there's often the unspoken here, and that is people often forget the pastor's spouse. You know, <laughs> the pastor's spouse um, is often uh, the one who's paying the bills and so forth and, and is there in the background, but they're the one bearing the brunt of you know, being poorly paid and so forth. So it's not just the pastor; it's it's the actual the whole family that get affected when the when the pastor's not paid properly. So it's a very it's a you know it's an extremely important issue that the churches deal with and don't ignore. We'll open our talk back lines. Uh, you might like to contribute to our conversation today on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, or you might like to leave a question or a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio, as John has done, who says, no pastor should struggle. We should honor our pastors. Honor without substance is not honor. People need to be taught good financial stewardship for all is the Lord's. Uh, your thoughts for what John might be saying, Alex? Here, here. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, look, there's some great Bible passages that really speak to this, and John's kind of given us, uh, you know, paraphrasing one of them. So, look, it, it, the Bible makes it very clear that it can't just be words. You know, it's got to be deeds as well. And I like it in uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5 where it says, you know, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. So they're worthy of double honour. Now, now that's not necessarily talking about money per se, but what it means is that when we, are, as, uh, as John said, you're not honouring people if you're not actually backing it up with some sort of substance. Um, so you've got to actually deal with it. Um, there's also another good one in 1 Corinthians. It says, he says, don't you know that people who work in the temple make their living from what is brought to the temple? Don't you know that a person who serves at the altar is given part of what is offered? In the same way, the Lord wants everyone who preaches the good news to make a living from preaching his message. So that's 1 Corinthians 9. So uh, they're, they're entitled to make a living. They should be paid properly um, as an act of love. We should be trying to honour them and help them. And as I say, what we don't want to do is um, is burden them. Uh, of course, some of the challenges uh, with this sort of issue is when you're dealing with boards, you'll have people on the board who have strong feelings one way or another, or if they don't like the pastor, which can be an issue, then they always try and punish the pastor, which is very nasty. But, you know, we're dealing with sinful human beings. So um, there's all sorts of uh, challenges that come up. But as I say, uh, I think churches need to really deal with this issue much more regularly as part of their, their planning each year, uh, as part of their boards and, and committees. They need to have a genuine focus on this issue and can't ignore it. Can't, you also can't wait just for the pastor. To, to Many pastors are, uh, are going to be passive in this area. They're not going to put those, their hand up and say, hey, look, pay me more. You know, they're embarrassed to do that because they don't want to be seen to be asking for more money. 
Um, so that should be the board's responsibility to actually talk to them and say, hey, you know, are you earning enough? Is it enough to cover your expenses, your living, to get ahead, all that kind of thing? And the boards need to be proactive about dealing with it. Interesting when you say that there are some in church life who may even uh, use this idea of what the pastor is paid almost as uh, punishment if they don't like the pastor. Now, let's that brings us back to uh, to what I was talking about in an introduction there that uh, that it not only hurts the minister and their family but also the congregation as well. This high idea that that if the pastor is not looked after, there are flow-on effects that might mean that you're not being adequately cared for in a congregation or there's not a- adequate leadership to the outreach programs and uh, the care programs that might go on in church life. What are your thoughts about how congregations suffer if the pastor's not looked after? Oh, absolutely. So well, it starts, at, obviously, the leadership of the church you know, always starts at the top. So if that person's not healthy and they're not being paid properly, then that's going to flow through to everything else that they do. Firstly, it may get to the point where they become, and this is you know unhealthy, that they do the work begrudgingly. They think, oh, I'm not being paid enough to, to put up with all this nonsense, to put up with all the stress, to put up with all the the, uh, the challenges I face each day. I'm just not paid enough. It's just not worth it. So they, they become, their own attitude can be affected. So as I say, this is where people's expectations on pastors become unrealistic. They forget that they're human and that they will ultimately react like that to some degree if they're not looked after. So this flows through, though, it's a massive distraction. If you've got financial worries in the back of your mind, then it's very hard to think properly. It's hard to, um, you know, it affects their prayer life, it affects their faith, it affects all of these things, which then immediately affects the church, the way they teach, the way they care for people, how much effort they put in. Um, and, of course, it affects their, their own family. So that flows into the church and, and the culture. So... It, it, it flows right through. As I say, if the person at the top of the church is not healthy, then it's going to flow through and impact everything else. So we want pastors that are healthy in every sense, not just financially, but certainly financially as well. You know, it can't be neglected because it will flow through to everything. Well, uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you have a guide to how much a church leader might be paid. Uh, now, without giving away all of that uh, detail, and I know that's uh, some of it might even be sensitive. Some people might be shocked. <laughs> uh, we'll come to that in, in uh, perhaps a few minutes, and uh, you might have some guidelines to share about that. Uh, but there's another Facebook comment, this time from Mike, who is a full-time Christian worker, who says, Luke chapter 10, verse 7, and says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. If a local church, uh, Mike says, uh, wants the professional pastor model, they need to pay a living wage. Of course, there are tent makers. Uh, that's also a model. For example, the Apostle Paul. Uh, any yeah. thoughts for Mike? Yeah, well, look, I completely agree. I mean, in the sense that you've got to pay people properly to get you know, talented people. It's like the same in any in any role in any corporate. You're willing to pay more for potentially, you know, better people. Uh, exactly the same applies in the church. You've got to pay people properly so you can attract talented people. If you if you don't pay properly, you won't. I mean, it's just a natural sort of outcome. But the interesting thing about what he raised, and I was going to probably raise it at some point during the interview, was an issue about. Uh, by vocational work and the example of Paul as a tent maker, um, because it, this is a I think it's going to become an increasing trend where pastors do work in a uh, you know secular job 
as well as in their in their ministry, um, because firstly, many churches can't necessarily afford to pay them a full time wage, so they actually need to work uh, in, in a bivocational sense. Um, but I think that's a good thing too, because you know it can get them out there with um, uh, with the general public and spending more time, you know, witnessing to people. So I, in one sense, it has a lot of good flow on benefits, but it can also take the pressure off the finances both of the pastor, but of the finances of the church in order to pay the pastor. So I think that model is probably going to get a lot of interest. It's already very much out there. Um, you know, it's not it's not a new thing, but I think it's perfectly uh, reasonable that pastors potentially do two jobs. The only risk, I think, and I have seen this, is where um, you can't do both well necessarily because you're stretched in both. You're working you know, you end up working six, seven days a week because you work on Sundays and so forth. So there, there are pros and cons, but it has to be, you know, planned out well. Obviously, it needs the approval of the church board and all that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's a perfectly legitimate model going forward that pastors do two jobs, perfectly. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth with Purpose. We're talking about how much should your pastor be paid? And if they're not paid so well, does that affect the whole function of your church congregation? So if you're in a local church, you might like to contribute to our conversation. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Before we move on, let's take a call. Simone is in Adelaide. Uh, hello, Simone. Welcome along to 2020. Good, good morning. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Simone. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that the congregation shouldn't begrudge the pastor his rightly wage because they, wouldn't, they would want to be paid themselves if they were working a proper wage. So I think they should do it with a loving heart and a kind heart, as the Bible tells us to put everything into the church and help the church along and I just think we shouldn't really hold on to money in the sense that you know that we love it that much that we don't want to pay our pastor that we should be loving the work that he's doing and appreciate what he's doing and reward him as such okay some thoughts from Alex for Simone yeah look I mean I completely agree with the attitude that she's expressing you know it's all got to come from a place of love we've got to say to ourselves look uh, here we have this this individual who's uh, committed their life to this particular church, uh, you know, and to to look after the flock. We want the person that's looking after the flock to be healthy in every way. Uh, we want to make sure that they are uh, they're not having to worry about money. We, we want to make sure that they're not having to that they're not uh, distracted by it. Um, that their own faith is not affected by it. That their families are properly looked after. It's just a, it's just treating them with a, a loving act. So, I mean, I completely agree with the um, uh, the attitude that Simone's uh, presented. I mean, that's the, the right way to uh, uh, to go about it. Um, obviously, there's some complexities to it as well in terms of, you know, what churches can afford and all, all those sort of other issues that come into play. Um, but, yeah, the, certainly coming at it from that attitude of how do we bless this person uh, is the right is the right one. Okay. It will flow back. 
Thank you so much to Simone from Adelaide. And our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can also post a question or a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. As uh, as, uh, one comment comes from Steve, who says, I support the brethren style of leadership where everyone who runs the church has full-time work during the week and the the church work is unpaid. Uh, There are different models the way that church works. Uh, Your thoughts for Steve, Alex? Yeah, look, as I say, I don't think there should necessarily be one model. Um, So if you can have a situation where everyone is contributing and therefore you're not dependent on one person... Um, it's interesting, I was chatting to a pastor the other day who's a, uh, a Baptist pastor from Argentina, and he was saying that in their church they've got 500 members, but only one person, the senior pastor, actually gets paid by the church. Now that's because they've very successfully uh, managed to get people to volunteer. One of the things that's increasingly a challenge in Western culture, so you talk to any pastor in Australia, they'll tell you just how busy all their members are, whether it's young families, kids, sport, all these kind of things that mean that it's difficult to get volunteers for activities. So in one sense, churches become dependent on paid people, so people who can uh, come along and do youth work a couple of days a week and so forth. Um, But I think, as uh, as the comment says, there's no one model. But I do think if a pastor is full-time working for the church, then we need to make sure that they're paid properly for the work that they're doing. So I think that's the the critical message to get across as well. Okay, taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Michael, who's uh, also calling from Adelaide today. Hello, Michael. Welcome along. Yes, um, uh, I'm I'm going to put a spanner in the works because what I'm about to say is probably not going to be very popular is that if you've got a pastor applying for a job, obviously the question will be, have you got a wife? And of course, um, if the church was going to employ um, a pastor with a wife or a single person, whether that's a man or a woman, uh, they'll always take the married couple because they know that the wife, if there's a call in the middle of the night, uh, who picks up the phone? Invariably, it'll be the wife. Who helps with the Sunday school? Who helps with supporting the husband in such a way that she's probably doing as many hours, sometimes more, than the uh, in, in practical hands-on work than the actual pastor. And so uh, the, the word talks about pay the wages that are due. And, and realistically, if we were to assess what, the, uh, uh, what is actually happening in that um, pastor and his wife situation employed within the church... Um, uh, we, we really need to consider paying uh, uh, both of them the same, uh, and, and if if that means uh, bringing down the salary until the church can, uh, uh, you know, manage that. But I, I really think in this in this time, the 21st century, that the um, uh, that, that we need to consider um, paying the wives of the pastors. Michael, good thoughts in there because the idea of uh, you uh, employ a pastor and it's if it's male, uh, then he has a wife. Uh, you get the wife thrown in for free. Uh, your thoughts for Michael, uh, Alex? Well, actually, look, I actually agree with him um, because this is a huge thing and we, we do see it with some churches where the wives are essentially, they're in ministry as almost as much time 
as the senior, as, as the pastor of the church is, but their their uh, contribution is not paid for. Um, now, I so I actually think that is going to increasingly be an issue going forward. But I actually think they should get paid. Uh, and in fact, what we've also found is that in some churches where they are paying the wife, the wife's not getting paid the same amount for the same hours put in. So there's actually a, a gap. Um, so it's, it's almost like their, their work is undervalued relative to the number of hours they're putting in. Because, you know, you'd think logically that if they're putting in the same amount of time, obviously there may be experience and skill differences, but certainly notwithstanding that, uh, you would think that they're going to get paid for that for the hours that they're putting in. Um, but I, so I think it's raised a very interesting issue, and I suspect uh, uh, one that's going to become a hot one over the, over the coming years, as it should. Okay, thank you so much to Michael from Adelaide. Let's take another call. Jenny in Perth. Hello, Jenny. Welcome along. Hi, how are you? Very well, Jenny. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, oh, it's a ticklish topic today. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I truly believe that it depends on how big the church is. I think that if the um, church is big enough, then yes, the pastor should you know, get a wage. But it should be the same as any other working class person, like can, according to what their duties are, like a counsellor or something. I know some people that work hard all their life, every year, and they can't afford holidays. But I see pastors going on holidays, you know, overseas for, you know, a month or so. I mean, that I don't believe in. I believe that if you're going to get a wage from the church, it should be a reasonable one according to what, you know, is on around, you know, in other churches also. Plus, I, I believe that if it's a small church or a medium church, I believe they should work. I don't believe they should get a wage. I think every single cent should go to the people that need help, that need food, need accommodation. I don't believe that if um, they're not capable of, you know, uh, conducting a big church, then they should go out and work. They shouldn't be getting a wage from the church. Mm. Uh, Interesting thought, Jenny. Uh, a A response from Alex. Oh, look, there's a number of interesting things that came out of that. Uh, the two that jump out at me, um, firstly, the size of the church obviously does affect the income. So we, we, we see that a lot just simply because of the, uh, you know, the average church in Australia is about 75 people, and often that's not enough to cover the wage of the pastor. So um, that that's an issue. So the size of the church does affect some of these uh, issues. But to address the other issue she raised, which I think... Um, where I might slightly differ. To me, I think pastors should also be paid um, based on the location. So, for example, if we took Sydney, Sydney's a massive city. There are some parts of Sydney that are enormously wealthy where, you know, half the families go skiing in Whistler every year and there's other parts of Sydney where they struggle week to week where the congregation does. So I tend to think if I was if I was a pastor in a really wealthy church, I think they should be paid well enough, not so they can go skiing in Whistler every year, but so well enough so that they can at least do things uh, with the, the members of their church within reason. Equally, you know, in a poor area, you don't want a situation where the pastor, and, and this is not as common, but you might have a situation where the pastor is much better paid than the rest of the members. As I say, that's actually not that common. It's usually the other way around, um, but that's an issue. So I think the location 
of the church makes a huge issue because what I don't want, I wouldn't want a, a poor pastor in a rich area where the pastor is struggling but everyone else is living luxuriously. But equally, the situation where the pastor is living luxuriously and all the members are struggling week to week. So I think that's uh, unfair. Um, okay, need uh, to cut in because we're about to go to news. Uh, I want to thank Jenny from Perth for those thoughts and we might be able to follow any other ones after the news. And I'm also going to ask you about uh, what sort of guideline you might use and how you might develop uh, the idea of what your pastor is worth and how much they should be paid. Uh, Alex Cook, as we get this uh, conversation underway for this part, and I want to bring into here the way that you might actually determine how much a pastor should be paid, uh, you've got some guidelines on your website, wealthwithpurpose.com, uh, where people can actually look and sort of get some sort of impression about how they ought to pay their pastor. Uh, it's one of those things that you go through, and usually it's an, like an eldership or a leadership uh, or a board that actually decides these sorts of things. Sometimes it's a denominational pay structure. But how do you, uh, what's, what's in your document? that gives some, sheds some light on this? Yeah, so look, we just give people some parameters that the board should work through to determine what someone uh, is paid. As you rightly say, some denominations, I know the Baptists are very good with this, the Baptists have their own remuneration guides on their state-based website. So um, for those of you who are Baptist or not Baptist, you can go check out their websites and they have actual specific dollar amounts and so forth that they recommend and guidelines. Um, ours is, we don't give specific amounts on ours because we just find that it's such broad nature of churches and so forth and areas. Um, but here's some of the things that we look at that we think churches should consider as they're setting the pastor salary. So the, the first one, and sort of obvious one, is the, the location of the church and the cost of living in that area. Um, the socio-demographic of that area and um, you know the kind of people that are in that particular church. Obviously, we want to make sure, I typically say, and this is a generalisation, that the pastor should be paid somewhere in the middle. They shouldn't be paid at the, the top, they shouldn't be paid at the bottom. As I say, that's a bit of a generalisation, and that's just one model some churches use as a bit of a guideline. Um, but the church size will affect it, obviously, um, the, the congregation size, um, the responsibilities, I think, and roles the minister will take on. The more roles and things we expect of them, then the more they should obviously get paid, the more hours they put in, all of that kind of thing. I believe their, their years of experience, um, their level of education, all of those things can impact the long-term outcome of that particular church. So all of those sort of things should be factored in. You know, if someone's got a PhD in theology, you know, that's an enormous amount of effort that goes into doing that, and that can be of value to the church, just in the way that, you know, doctors spend, uh, you know, 10, 15 years in medical studies, you'd expect that they, they, they get paid more in the long run. Um, there's also other things to consider. So as I said, if you want to broadly speak, you'd say their education, their experience, their qualifications and their background. Uh, another model uh, that some churches use, in fact, one of your callers sort of alluded to it earlier, is the wage of a teacher. Uh, and the, the caller actually mentioned counsellor because Often a big part of a pastor's role is teaching and uh, counselling people, big part of their role. Um, I'm not sure that that model works perfectly all of the time, just because I think there are so many other things that a pastor does, but nonetheless, it's not a bad guide. Uh, and then, of course, um, the financial needs of the pastor. If you've got a pastor who's married, four kids, 
you know, are you paying them enough to make sure that their family is, is well taken care of, that they're not struggling? That, to me, is a critical moral issue that the board should consider, both in hiring but also in reviewing the pastor's salary. If they're not being paid enough, uh, then we need to make sure that their family is well, well looked after. Uh, and, and then lastly, the reality, and the reality is that what can a church afford? If a church can't afford to pay their pastor, then I think the church has to give the pastor the luxury of being able to work part-time or or do other ways of getting alternative income. Or what we help churches with these days is we help the church to develop alternative income streams. So rather than just relying on the general offertory, which obviously we try and help churches increase that so that they can cover all their... It's not just about covering wages, it's about funding the vision. So it's much more than just purely a wage issue. But then the other thing is developing income streams for the church <clears throat> to fund the salary. Now, that could be hiring out the church hall, it could be leasing out the car spots, it could be putting on a cafe, there could be all sorts of things. Um, and it can get more and more complex depending on how you look at it because we also don't want to take churches down the path where they become just full-on businesses either because a church is not a business. So either way, though, um, you need to find out ways to make sure that the pastors are being paid appropriately for the work that they're doing and that their families are well looked after. Okay, well, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Alex Cook is our guest. And uh, a number of Facebook comments just to quickly reflect on here. Christy says, It's also important to consider what we expect of pastors' wives. If we're paying one pastor but expecting the full attention of the pastor's wife as well, it may be unfair and prevent her from being in paid employment. Uh, We were addressing that uh, last hour. Let's uh, go on to another one, a Facebook comment from Gracie, who says there's a saying, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Uh, We're blessed our pastor only wanted 60-40 time and pay. He goes on mission trips in his time, not with us. I think it is wrong to expect God to look after our pastor when we have the ability to pay him a proper proper wage. If it is a church in a poor area, maybe it should be a mission church supported by a larger one somewhere else. No full-time minister should go with uh, without because uh, he is serving God. Some good thoughts in uh, the things that Grace is sharing there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and that's a really interesting one. That's actually an issue that comes up quite a bit. There are churches where the socio-demographic is very... It's very poor, you know, areas where there's lots of uh, refugees and immigrants and so forth, where they can't support the full-time wage of a pastor. So a larger nearby church can potentially fund that as part of their outreach and mission mission activity. So that, to me, is a perfectly uh, sensible and, and great model. Uh, and we, we need more of that because, as you, say, as you know, some areas are enormously blessed financially and others aren't. Um, but uh, funny enough, I was going to actually quote the saying that she had, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. <laughs> That's the, it, it's, an unfor- it's a reality. Um, you know, people deserve to be paid. If they're highly competent, they should be paid uh, well accordingly. I, I, think that's, I think that's actually quite reasonable. It's a saying we usually attribute to our politicians. Uh, if you pay peanuts, <laughs> you get monkeys. But really, uh, the, the truth and the reality anyway. is... Sorry? Uh, the reality is... anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, some people might be saying that of their pastor as well, but let's hope not, because uh, we need to love and appreciate our pastors, because uh, that love and appreciation, which might come with a paycheck, uh, is also, as you were saying and as we were alluding to earlier, uh, the health of a congregation depends on your pastor being happy. Uh, we're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Graham in Western Australia. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. 
Graham. South Australia, I think it was. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, Graham. You're in South Australia. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that uh, so much pastors really need to be looked after and cared for. Uh, they work all sorts of crazy hours. Um, I'm not a pastor, but I've over the years been involved fairly heavily with church life. And myself, at times, had to do 60 and 70 hours a week. And so I know some of the stuff that they go through... And, you know, a pastor should not have to come begging every week with his cap in hand um, to get a few pence. That's not right. The, the body of Christ should be looking after the pastors no matter what the issue. I think Paul talks, talks around that subject of looking after and sending on their way and caring for and loving. And so it's not just, I guess, about dollars and cents, uh, but it does uh, in some respects come back down to that. Pastors should be able to live the life that you and I live who work a 40 or 50 hour uh, a week job and still hold their head high with respect uh, and love and care within the body. Graham, some really great thoughts there. A quick response from Alex. Yeah, look, I completely agree with him. And uh, look, I mean, my my observation over the years is pastors work uh, extremely hard, long hours, very unfair expectations placed on them about about their own lives, yet, and, and often we don't pay them well enough. And I think that's that's something that needs to be changed. They need to be well looked after uh, so that we take the financial issue off the table in the sense that it's it's not a, it doesn't impact them in any negative way. Their family's well looked after and they can get on with doing a great job looking after the spiritual health of the church. Graham, so thank absolutely. you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Michelle is in Brisbane. Hi, Michelle. Welcome along. Thank you. Thank you. Um I want to make a comment in regard to both the pastor and also um, establishing churches or needy churches. Um, I think that if we can't care for our own, God's not going to give us any more people. I think the world is watching because, you know, if if we can't um, love and support each other, you know, it, 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 one, it's not a good um, evangelistic um, um, opportunity anyway. So we're not going to get more people. God's not going to give us more to care for if we can't even care for you know the, the people that are already within the church. Good thoughts, Michelle. A response from Alex. Uh, look, I actually think it's a really good point and a really good biblical point. Uh, one of my favourite passages is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Uh, it talks about how the early church were generous and how they shared everything that they had amongst each other. But it says, the very last line of, of it in 47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. So to take her point, I think that the reality is that when the world is watching us and when we live this uh, a very generous life, people will see it and it will actually speak powerfully about our faith and it will bring uh, bring people to bring people to the Lord. So I think um, generosity is extremely powerful. As, as she says, we've got to get it right within our own four walls. We've got to get it right in the church uh, and in the body of Christ more broadly um, so that we can actually then have a testimony to the world. People will actually look at us and go, look how generous these people are amongst each other. We want to be part of that. And, of course, being generous also beyond our four walls to, to the community, of course, as well. Um, but her point, I think, is very, very valid.
Thank you so much to Michelle in Brisbane. 1-800-316-316. There's still time to take a call or two. Uh, Another Facebook comment here, Alex. Uh, This one from Alexander who says, I'm curious though, should the income of the pastor's spouse influence how much a pastor is paid respectively. I mean, obviously, you know, sometimes uh, the pastor has a working spouse and uh, perhaps on a good income. Uh, I imagine this is something that a board or a, a, a board of elders, uh, those people who are looking at the income of the pastor, they'd take that into consideration. Yeah, potentially. Uh, I, think, um, I think that needs to be discussed with the pastor in the sense that I think just because the, the spouse may earn, say, a high income doesn't mean you then pay the, the pastor properly, not unless they, they voluntarily choose to do so. So, in some so for example, in some large churches where the church is, um, where the pastor has has got a very good income or they've got lots of other assets outside, sometimes they willingly forego their income. You might remember Pastor Rick Warren, when he wrote that book um, that made him very famous, um, he ended up reverse tithing. So he actually ended up giving rather than 10% of his income away, he gave 90% away. But that's because he was so financially blessed. Now, in one sense, this is a similar sort of concept. Let's say that that pastor's income, the spouse's income is very high. Maybe then the pastor can say, okay, well, look, you don't need to pay me as much um, because my, you know, my, my, my spouse is earning so much money, we don't need it. I think, though, I wouldn't want to force that upon the pastor. I think you'd want the pastor to be able to to opt into that and say, look, you know, we don't need it. We're, we're, we're so blessed. You know, you know, you let them make that spiritual decision. Otherwise, I still think they should be paid properly relative to the, to the work that they're doing. So I think you need to be a bit careful with that, that's all. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Alex Cook is our special guest. We're talking about uh, what to do if your pastor is underpaid and all of the different side effects from that. And I know it'll be an eye-opening conversation for uh, people not so familiar with this sort of thing in church life. Uh, Still time for a call or two. Let's take a call from Jim, who is in Tanamira in Queensland. Uh, Hello, Jim. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, hello, Neil, Alex. Uh, haven't they got the cart before the horse? Uh, explain. Why, why, are they so, why are they so concerned about whether the pastor is married or not? If they were to tithe, then theoretically, 10 families would support one pastor. End of story. Uh, simple maths like that, too. I, I agree. Uh, your thoughts, Alex? Uh, yeah, look, I understand where he's coming from. Probably, I think, a little simplistic, given that only about 5% of Christians actually tithe when we look at the stats. Um, and even in churches that push a high tithing message, the level of tithing really only goes up to about 30, 35%. So I, I wouldn't be wanting to rely on that as, a, as an approach, <laughs> only because the, the members of the pews are often often not giving uh, anywhere near 10%. I mean, we do a thing called the Church Financial Health Dashboard, and the average church sits between 2 and 4% of net income is actually given. So I don't think it would... Uh, happen off 10 families, uh, highly improbable. Maybe in some rural areas where I have seen some especially high levels of generosity, uh, but otherwise I don't think that would happen easily enough in my view. Uh, Jim from Tanamera, uh, thank you so much for your call. And uh, just while we're on this, and I know we're running out of time, but this idea of 
the number of people in church who do tithe. And uh, it is a simple mathematical equation. Ten people tithing uh, creates uh, the level of a what might be a wage that could be uh, average uh, that could pay a pastor. Of course, there's lots of other expenses in church life as well. Uh, but this idea of people who are committed to tithing, oftentimes it's because they are uh, inspired by the good work that's happening through their local leader. So there's a leadership thing here that encourages people and inspires people to actually do the biblical thing and give their tithe. So it 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 all uh, it's like a a circle, isn't it? Uh, you know, if you've Absolutely. got a great leader, you're going to have great tithers, and and the whole church is going to flourish. But if you don't have a great leader, you're not going to have a lot of great tithers, and things will continue to struggle. Uh, your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, well, what you're saying is pretty much spot on. There's a saying, money follows vision. And obviously, with a strong leader, you'll have a strong vision, and then strategies that back that vision. So when people see the vision they're much more likely to give to it. So when people say, hey, there's a compelling vision here that our church, you know what, we're likely to be able to actually achieve that under God, then people will give generously to that. And as you say, therefore, it kind of tends to go circular and takes care of itself, kind of feeds back into it, because once people then give more generously, the church can actually achieve their vision, and then then it gets even more momentum and it works works. Uh, round and round. So yeah, it's a very good point you've made. Yeah. Alex, okay, let's come back to the question we were asking earlier. Uh, if you are in a local church situation and you recognize that, you know, your pastor is not or probably not being pa- paid properly, uh, what do you do about it? Uh, what's your advice, Alex? Yeah, so look, I think the, now it depends on the governance structure of the church, but basically the um, the church offices, if you like, their elders, need to get together. Some churches will have like a subcommittee, like a finance committee. They need together and to determine what the correct wage should be. And I think there's a few ways they could do that. One is they can obviously look at uh, pay scales and sort of things like that to work out what's reasonable income. The second thing to do, I think, is actually to talk to the church's workers, to actually talk to the, the pastor and any other paid staff about their situation, find out are they earning enough, um, do they need, you know, are their family taken care of, are they able to meet their needs. So all of that can be taken place by the elders of the church. Once um, once you then come up with that figure, so you actually know what that figure is, obviously the board can then approve that, uh, and then the church can then start paying that. Now, if a church can't afford it, then I think they need to work towards it. So they need to say, right, okay, what do we need to do to ensure that the pastor is properly paid? Do we need to lift our level of giving? Do we need to find alternative income streams for the church? What are the other things we need to do so that we can actually afford to pay the the, um, the pastor properly? So as I say, there's two separate issues. One is just making sure they get paid properly anyway, according to um, what they should be getting paid. And then the second issue is, if, well, if the church can't afford it, how do you make it so that they can over time so they can correct the situation? Um, but yeah, so it's simply just a case setting setting the correct pay and then working towards that as quick as you can. And Alex, your ministry is called Wealth with Purpose, uh, wealthwithpurpose.com. You also like to work with churches, uh, with denominations, uh, with uh, kingdom businesses as well, so they can get their financial structures all in a a right alignment with Scripture and those things that will help them thrive. Uh, When people get in touch with you or go to your your website, uh, give us a quick rundown on the sorts of resources they can access and, uh, and whether or not you might be available to come and speak to groups wherever they might be. 
Yeah, no, thanks, Neil. Look, um, there's two main things we do. One is what I call financial discipleship. That's more around helping your members. So what we do is we, we teach them what the Bible says about money, and then we teach them how to apply that to their daily finances in a really practical way. And we do that through a range of courses, which can be done online, and we've also got um, live events uh, that we run, and we can do live events at churches and put on weekend workshops and things like that, because we have a number of coaches across Australia that can do that and put those on for churches. So that's, that's one option, and that's all about helping the member of your church. The second area is coaching. So we do business coaching and pastor coaching. And then that sort of the third area, which is more about the consulting to the church and is helping churches with the church uh, financial position. Um, so we have a thing called the Financial Health Dashboard, which helps them uh, assess where they're already at today, how they're managing the money, um, how they communicate about money, all sorts of things, about 10 different criteria that we look at to see if the church is financially healthy. And then from there, we, we often do a board planning day where we help the board actually plan out what they need to put into place to, to grow the finances of the church and grow giving and so forth. And, and then from there, there's the ongoing uh, coaching relationship, which is predominantly about the execution, so helping churches actually take something from being just an idea and actually implement it into the church so that they can actually help make the church um you know, more financially healthy. And, you know, our goal is to see fully funded churches where they achieve the vision that they feel God is giving them to do. Well, undoubtedly, everyone listening to our conversation who's a part of a local church wants to see their local church thriving and flourishing. And uh, and it's an important element to be able to talk about that today and to just bring some of these things out into the open. And, uh, Alex, I want to thank you for your uh, your frank and uh, insightful comments too when it comes to what could be a quite a controversial issue because uh, sometimes we wonder how all that whole thing works with what the pastor gets paid. But Alex Cook, founder of Wealth With Purpose, wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex, always appreciate your insights. Thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.